Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Pitch. I'm Christian Jack. My guest on this week's episode is Alistair Johnston, as we do our continued seven-part series, as we talk behind the scenes with some of these Canadian men's national team players in an enormous time for the men's game here in this country. Honduras on Thursday at home, followed by the United States away in Nashville on Sunday and a return leg the following week on the 8th against El Salvador. Now, if you don't know too much about Alistair Johnston, or even if you do, I suggest you stick around for the next 25 minutes in what is one of the most candid, eye-opening interviews you will hear from one of these athletes on this squad. I knew Alistair for a little bit a couple of years ago, and many of you may remember him when he played for Vaughan Azuri in the Canadian Championship against Canadian Premier League team Halifax Wanderers at the time. Alistair has then since been drafted by Nashville. He had to wait a number of times to get his debut. Obviously, during the pandemic, Nashville weren't able to play in the MLS's back tournament because of an outbreak of COVID. COVID-19. He eventually got his debut in August of 2020 and has only had his first call-up this year for Canada and he's since had 10 caps. It has become what is what he describes in my interview as a meteoric rise. He's already got 10 caps for the national team and we talk about his journey and now being an integral part of John Herdman's back three or back four. Alistair's story is fascinating. He talks about you know, playing football with his brothers in the Canadian winters in the basement, waking up early to watch the Premier League games, his love for Manchester United, not having sleepovers because he just wants to watch and play football. This guy is an absolute football nut. One of the many reasons why he and I got along so well during our conversation is a fascinating, eye-opening discussion into Alistair Johnson's life as a footballer now for Nashville and Canada. Sit back, enjoy. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And I'll be back after the interview. Alistair, great to see you as usual. Big smile on your face. Things are well with you, I'm sure. You know, it's been a whirlwind year or so, but uh, how's things treating you there in Nashville and getting ready for the Canadian World Cup qualifiers? Well, thanks for having me, Christian. Um, everything's going pretty well. I think um, just us as an entire group, as uh, Canadian players and as fans, I've, I've heard from a lot of family members and friends that everyone's super excited for, uh, for all this that's happening. Uh, it's going to be a real busy next seven months. Um so, yeah, no, just super excited. And I think the biggest thing for us is obviously playing in these octagonal games and just finally getting to really play in a match that, you know, it kind of feels like, okay, we're, we're on the precipice now of, of doing something big and also getting to play in front of fans again in front of our Canadian supporters is going to be huge. You know, for me being a new guy to the kind of the group, I've never actually had the opportunity to play uh, at BMO or at BC Place or any of these places in front of a crowd, um, Canadian crowd. So that's going to be something really enjoyable. You know, it'll be a little bit, uh, a little bit different playing you know, Honduras or El Salvador at BMO rather than playing, um, you know, wherever we were playing down in, in Chicago. So uh, we're excited for that for sure. Yeah, you should be. It's it's a fascinating look really into the year that you've had, is it not? I mean, I, I think about your, you know, I don't want to call it a meteoric rise because I mean, you've been on our radar for those of us who cover the game for some time, but it is only just a year or so ago since you really made your debut, your delayed debut for Nashville because of obviously the COVID outbreak and the bubble and obviously the delayed season and then you've had a 2021 year where you've already got 10 international caps. You know, yeah. you've been an enormous part of this group. You're not just on the periphery. You're starting at the back. You know, the, the back three seems to really suit you. Just before we get into all of that stuff, like, how has this been? Like, do you, have you got your feet on the ground? How's, how's life treating you this past year? No, it's a meteor crisis. is taking it lightly. It's been a whirlwind, I'll tell you what. Um, to think about it going to my first camp in January with mainly just the MLS guys and thinking, okay, I was nervous, man. This is my first time getting to be around, 
you know, some of the older guys who have, I know have been around the league for a long time, the Canadian guys. So I was really nervous for that. Then to think six months down the road, you know, I'd have 10 caps under my belt, like already double digit caps within six months. You know, you, you just think about that pace. If I kept that going in 10 years, I have 200. I mean, that's some Christine <laughs> Sinclair numbers right there. So, um, you know, it's just been, it's been pretty crazy. This, this whole past 18 months, just from getting drafted to now um, has been just, insanity is the easiest way to put it um simplest way but with canada you know it's it, it's been so much fun this group's been great at taking taking me under their wing um and you know that's kind of the cool part is that as young as i am i'm still older than joe david and alfonso and tejan buchan all these guys that are also kind of coming through so it's one of those weird ones and i think the best way to put it um was uh last camp i, I just remember a couple of guys going up and someone had mentioned my age, like, Oh, Alistair, like you're still 22. Right? Like, when do you turn 23? And everyone else was like, like, I think it was Vittoria was going, you're 22. What are you talking about? And, and it was just funny seeing that. I mean, I think it was Daniil Henry as well. He's like, I can't believe that you are younger than Kamal Miller, like stuff right. like that. It's just, so it, it is weird like that is that as young as I, I am and as new as I am to the professional game is that within this group, you know, I'm not even really the youngest at all. I mean, you look at guys like Theo Corbino and guys like that who are, I mean, holy crap, you guys are younger than my younger brother and stuff, you know, right, like, right. so it's kind of weird like that, but no, it's been, it's been unbelievable being a part of this group and kind of being a part of this golden generation as some would probably say within the media that that's coming through right now. It's just a super exciting time to be a Canadian footballer, I think. And, and I think it's a super exciting time to be a, a Canadian football fan. So, you know, we're hoping that these next couple of months will really show what we're about and, and show that, you know, this is, can be a footballing country and that we're taking the right steps um, to, you know, not just making 2026 a reality, but you know, Hey, why not 2022? Why not us? Why not us? Indeed. I think it speaks to your level of maturity. Maybe that people think you may be a little bit older than you are, you yeah. know, maybe that comes into, into that as well. That's how you are off the pitch. How has this past year helped you on it? Because confidence is obviously enormous, right? Like you yeah. come up as a draftee, you get a great start in Nashville. I know it's an expansion team, but there's so much continuity already there, right? With all the real leaders there and what Gary Smith brought you. And then now the continuity with the Canadian national team, you mentioned the whirlwind rise, the 10 caps. How has that helped you every single time you step on the white line over the white line? You know, I think that uh, to a degree, I think looking at how what COVID, how it affected us, it, it honestly really helped me. You know, it gave me a three month period where I was like, okay, I, I had a couple of months then with the team at that point with Nashville. And I kind of learned, okay, this is where I'm going to fit in. And this is what I need to do and, and improve on in order to, you know, become someone that's in that 18 or in that starting 11. So that three months kind of really let me reflect on it and go out and train on my own and, and really focus on those things. And it gave me a chance to once we came back and started doing individual sessions, it gave me a ton of time in front of the coaching staff to show them, yeah, you know what, this kid can play and he does belong. And then as we got and we progressed into small groups and eventually full team training, you know, they, they felt way more comfortable with, you know, really giving me a chance and kind of taking the reins off me, which mm -hmm. was great. And I think that's one of the biggest things for Gary, uh, Gary Smith is that, if you're going to be on the field, he's got to trust you hundred percent. He's got to trust you. And, and that was great for me is that I was able to, to earn his trust, you know, over those first couple of months. And then obviously the first couple of opportunities you're on the field as a young guy, you got to make it count. You really got to take your chance and run with it. And I think I did that, which was great. And, you know, I always knew that with, with how Canada was kind of set up, um, especially with our, how the defenders kind of work is that if you're getting solid minutes, you're starting and, and you're showing that you belong in the MLS, you, you know, you're going to get a call at some point that, you know, they're watching you. And so that was always kind of in the back of my mind. I was never really too focused on what, what John Herden was thinking. You know, it was always one of those, I've, I've never been into a, a youth national team camp. I never had, I barely was even in the provincial program at all. So 
it's one of those ones and it's like, Hey, you know, I just focus on my club soccer. Good things will happen. And it was, it was unbelievable when I got the call from him. I, I remember it was just around my birthday around October time. You know, he was, he's been monitoring me and he wants me to come in for that January camp. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Okay. Things are really starting to happen now. And I kind of took that same mindset into Canada's that, you know, at that January camp, Hey, let's go in. Let's let nothing, nothing's given. Everything's earned. So, you know, let's go in and show that I belong. And I think, and just prove to him that he's someone that he can trust because at the end of the day, same thing. You're going down. You're going to go play in the Azteca. You're going to go play in these crazy places in front of 70,000, hundred thousand crazy fans. You just need people out there that you can trust and, you know, are going to be given hundred percent for the badge. So that was kind of something that I wanted to prove to him and, and the rest of the players. And, and, and hopefully that's something that I've kind of shown. And I think that it, it's definitely something that's come across pretty well, uh, whether it has or not um, fully, but you know, he's, he's given me my chance, which has been amazing. And, and here in Nashville, you know, I've kind of taken that confidence of now being a full international player and then brought it back to my club, uh, my club side. And you kind of they kind of do go hand in hand, you know, that confidence that you get from from going up against, uh, you know, that Mexican national team and going toe to toe with them. You know, and then you come back and you're playing TFC. So, you know, it's screw these guys. You know, what? Uh, there's no reason why I can't play with these guys either. You know, it's it, it's really brought that level of self-confidence up. So, yeah, I think they've really gone hand in hand and it's only helped me help me develop as a player for sure. Absolutely fascinating. Such a well-grounded answer as well. And I think, you know, as you alluded to, you know, you have been not just a member of the team. You've been a massive part of this defense. You know, they changed their back three a lot of times. I know sometimes on the fly, you go to a four during that time as well. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about your role there, because I remember you a little bit when you were played in League One in the Canadian Championship. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought more of you a bit more of a midfielder at that time. You're good yeah. on the ball, comfortable. How's the adapted, how have you adapted quickly to getting into that right-back position? And now sometimes, Alistair, you're not just a right-back. You're a right-sided centre-back in a three. How's that been? Honestly, I, I think it's been, it's been the perfect fit for me, to be honest. When you really look about where I fit on a footballing pitch, um, growing up, I played as a, as a six my entire life. And yeah, you would have seen that when we played Halifax, that I was uh, kind of a smasher, you know, a six that wanted to get on the ball and spray it, hit diags, you know, get physical, go win headers. Um, but the same time is that when I went down to college, I played center mid for my first three years. Um, going to my fourth year, they're kind of like, you know what? Alistair's got some, got some juice to him. You know, he can, he can run, he can open up those legs. And they always kind of felt like I was kind of caged in a little bit in the midfield. So then I just remember they tried me out at right back and it was unbelievable. I mean, I was overlapping, bombing, and it was really a freeing moment is that, you know, I can still come inside and, and hit diags and, and do that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed that. And that's what got me into the league, thankfully. Um, but at the same time then is I'll still never forget this call. John Herbin called me. Um, we were going into um, one of the, one of the world cup qualifying camps and he went, Hey, have you ever played a uh, center back in a back three? And I was like, I, I definitely never have, but how do I, how do I word this where he doesn't go, Oh boy, yeah, this is not the guy for us, but also tell him, you know, I don't want to lie to him. I was like, you know, it, it's something that I've, that we've tested before. I was kind of giving it, giving it large a little bit with that, but it was funny. I, I kind of tried to lead him on to think that, you know, it's something I could do. Cause it was something I was excited about, you know, I've seen, um, teams around the MLS do it. And I think I saw, once I saw Kamal Miller get traded to uh, Montreal and I saw, you know, how comfortable he looks in that left side center back. He's a guy I played with growing up my entire life. And I'm like, you know what? Our skill sets are kind of similar to a degree in that sense that he's a center back, but he's really good on the ball and he's a really good ball passer and this kind of freedom. So it was one of those ones. I was like, you know what, this would be the ideal role for me. Um, 
in a back four playing as a center back, you could probably argue, you know, maybe a little too small. I'd like to say I'm five eleven and a half. You could round that up to six foot if I'm playing center back if needed. <laughs> um, but you know, as an outside center back, it's not really as much of a worry um, in terms of that because I'm still pretty good in the air. I'm solid in the air, and I love to defend. But at the same time, is that this gives me so much freedom that. And it's something that Herdman, John has pushed me is that, Hey, no, you get it. I, I, he was even saying like, I want to experiment with you at that position. I want you overlapping Richie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, an overlapping center back. Like, has this ever been seen before? Like other than like maybe Sheffield last year mm-hmm. or two years ago, you could say. Um, and he was like, yeah, no, this is something I want to do. And I, I think you're the perfect kind of player profile for that. So I was, you know, excited to hear that. I mean, you're hearing that from your, your national team gaffer. I mean, it's hard not to get like, okay, he's got a plan for me. He's been thinking about this. That's a cool one. So yeah, just going in there and and getting that opportunity to play that position, it was something that, you know, I was really excited by. And I think it's worked really well for me is that it, it really has kind of brought me back to my roots as a six as well as a defensive midfielder where I'm coming into more central spots, um, but then also allowing me to, to have the freedom to go out and defend in the channel and, and go and, and, you know, just be super aggressive. And when we're in that, that back three, it really allows your center backs to go, hey, one of us step hard in that midfield, the ball's in there. You want to go win it? Go hard, go hard. So you got two guys covering you and you also have two fullbacks. So it, it's been a, it's been a position that I've really enjoyed. And I think as I've developed um, tactically, I think that's been a huge thing for me is that I, I've played now as a right back in a four, I've played as a right wing back in a five and I play as a right side center back in a five. So I think for me, you, you look at it, I'm a year and a half into my professional career and playing all these different positions. It, it's only helping me as my understanding of the game. And, you know, just that's been such a big thing for me is that at the end of the day, I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm a soccer nerd is what a lot of guys call me. But, you know, I just love the game and I want to develop tactically. You know, you want to really reach that full potential, reach that, you know, tap into that untapped potential. So that's something that I feel like I've been able to do this past 18 months in terms of playing these different positions. And it's something I've really enjoyed. So yeah. I'm hoping, you know, that it will keep that going potentially, whether, you know, we stick with the back three or not with Canada. But another thing that you guys have probably noticed is that we will defend um, sometimes in a back four. Uh, then we'll we'll attack out in a back three. So just these kind of these fluid motions within a game, I think is just, it's something that a lot of teams don't even think about. But again, I mean, our coaching staff at Canada has been unbelievable with that kind of stuff. They go, yeah, first 15 minutes, we're going to build out in a back three. We're going to defend in the back five. But then 15 minutes in, we're going to switch. We're going to press into a 4 4 and I think for guys like me who just love that kind of stuff, it's like, yeah, you, you eat it up. So, yeah, no, it's been great, um, all that kind of stuff. And I'm guessing that John's definitely got a couple more things up his sleeve that, uh, that we'll probably see in this next window. Yeah, it was an absolute clinic, wasn't it, in versatility of tactics against Mexico, the way you guys kept switching it around. And that was definitely a massive factor in that you guys going toe-to-toe for them and, and, and yeah. obviously you know, deserving more than you got. I want to get back to the Gold Cup and your journey there in a second, but you know, you called yourself a football nerd or a soccer nerd and how much you love the game. Where does that come from, Alistair? I know you had two big moves as a kid. What was it? Vancouver yeah. to Montreal, Montreal to Aurora. You know, I've covered, I've, I love this sport too. I've been trying to cover this sport now for almost 20 years here, but where did your love for, for the sport come from when a lot of kids go to other directions like hockey or the NFL? I think being raised in a, in a British household made it, it was a pretty simple one. I mean, my dad was a huge footballer growing up and then my mom was born in Northern Ireland. So it's just something that we've always kind of just grown up in. I mean, I can remember uh, ever since a kid, like, you know, like everyone would go out like, or have sleepovers, but I was like, I want to have a sleepover. I want to wake up and watch United play at 7am on Saturday morning. You know, like that was always kind of our thing. And, and honestly, one of the biggest things that ever happened was moving to the eastern uh, eastern coast just because of in Toronto, you know, three hours ahead versus I'm trying to watch football on 4 a.m. on a Saturday morning. It was a bit tough, but, you know, on the East Coast time, it's a little bit better. 
Um, so just stuff like that, you know, I just grew up in a household where, yeah, weekends, me and my younger brother, we would just watch uh, Premier League all the time. And then, you know, so we weren't allowed to watch television during the school week. That was a big thing for my mom. None of that. So we were always outside playing in our backyard. But then we eventually worked into my mom like, OK, but if it's a big sporting event, like big soccer game, we want to watch this. And obviously Champions League Tuesday, Wednesday, Europa League Thursdays and then Saturday. Sometimes you get a Friday afternoon kickoff as well. So like we pretty much had it worked out where we were able to watch as much as we wanted, but that was just something that we enjoyed. I mean, I love just to watch it, to watch the game as a fan, but also just to dissect things and see what, you know, other teams were doing. And that's, and that's kind of always been something that, um, that I've, you know, it's just been part of my DNA. Um, just whenever we could, we were out in our backyard kicking around and then, you know, the Canadian winners, we had uh, an unfinished basement down there. We put a little bow net down there and we'd just be ripping balls all winter long down there too. So it's just something that I grew up in. It was just kind of our culture. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't change it for the world to tell you that much. That's awesome. You know, I know when I, when I watch you play and I know speaking to you for a little bit before this, I can tell you, are, you, you watch the games, you know, you could just tell some players that just love that they have that under, you know, understanding, you know, a lot of coaches in North America have told me they still want more of that their players they love the sport but they don't watch enough you know mm -hmm. and you can just you can learn still so much I mean, you mentioned united is that your team man united i think yeah i'm yeah. man united fan. yeah I'm man I, thought, united fan. <laughs> I thought so but just watching them or any level of it europa league no matter what it is you, you can pick yeah. up so many things to improve your game i'm sure i'm sure you've watched a lot of right-sided defenders and thought yeah i can do this yeah exactly and i think that was and that was one of the ones that kind of sold john i think on playing me that position so he went hey like we're thinking about playing in that right side center back in a back three. Like, how do you think it would do? And it was funny because I'd watched Chelsea, I think the day before, and I can't remember what they played, but they had gone with Reese James and the Cesar Aspilicueta and those yep. kind of those roles. And they've been rotating flip-flopping. I was like, honestly, uh, I think that I could do exactly what, what Aspilicueta does. I feel like our games are very similar to a degree like that. I'd like to think I'm a little faster than him and he's probably a little smarter than me. Fair enough. We'll give him that. Yeah, that's Play fair. the top level. Play the top level for a little while. Um, but you know, it's one of those ones I was like, Hey, like, I, I think I could kind of do it as Bill Quetta does with Chelsea. He's like, honestly, uh, that was the exact player profile we have for you. So it's kind of cool stuff like that. When it, you can tell people that also really watch the game when, when they feel that someone else has that same knowledge and that same desire to learn, like how much more open they are with giving information and stuff like that. Like it, it was a cool moment, you know, mm. um, having moments like that. Cause there's tons of guys still, um, around the world in this league that, you know, you ask them about about a player or a team they go who's that what league are we even talking about and it's like weird to me that you know like you know this is your profession this is what you love to do but you don't love watching the game it just seems it's still a weird one to me um i've never truly grasped that um but i guess you could say i'm on one end of the spectrum with that kind of stuff so you know i'll leave it at that with that kind of stuff <laughs> that's totally fine uh so you you appreciate more than most than that this starting to feel real world cup qualifying final preliminary final concaf round prelims are done no disrespect but you know the cayman islands and aruba i know they'll always be special yeah. games for you you know your debut your yeah. first goal um you know that's special moments but this is this is real now isn't real it? this deal. is this yeah. is big this is big time i'm sure it's something you can't wait to play yeah i think those games it were they were great to get out of the way um especially for a young guy who was uncapped, um, all that kind of stuff. And I think as a young group, I think it was great for us to go through those and, and see some places that you're going to go to CONCACAF. And going on the road to play in Haiti in a home and away, I mean, seeing that country, seeing all the devastation they've been through, you know, it, it really put things in perspective. It's like, hey, there is a ton of very difficult away place to go in CONCACAF. And I think it hardened us a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. I think as us, as us being such a young group, um, you know, it's really important for us to go down and, and play those kind of games. Yeah, the Cayman Islands and stuff like that, of course. Um, 
maybe not the most difficult ones, but at the same time, it's that, you know, just being out there wearing that, wearing the Canadian badge, you know, it, it kind of puts that sense of pride. And once you start to feel that and you get a little taste of it, you want so much more and you keep, you keep, you know, it's kind of like, it's that drug. You can't stop once you get a little bit of it. And so I think, yeah, I combined with that, with the places of going to places like Haiti and just kind of hardening the group and understanding, okay, you know what? If you want to get through the CONCACAF, you got to go to Honduras. You got to go to Costa Rica. You got to go to Panama. You got to go to these difficult places and win. Uh, you got to go to the Azteca. You got to go to the Azteca and win yep. or get results. So, you know, I think that was great for us. Is is maybe not as challenging as some of the games were. I think just still mentally getting through that has been huge. Um, so, yeah, no. And I think the biggest thing for us as well is, Probably a lot of people going into that um, were just thinking, okay, 2026, that's kind of what this Canadian group should be looking for. Um, but I think what we've shown over the past eight months is that, you know, what 2026 is going to happen and we're excited for that. But there's no reason why 2022 should be out of our grasp. You know, if we take care of business and play the way we can, there's all the confidence in this group that, you know, we can make that dream into reality. Um, so that's something, you know, that we're really excited to get, you know, and get started with. And I think that just all the momentum that this, that this, I mean, this game has had in this country over the past couple of years. I mean, you just look at what the Canadian women's national team is doing. I mean, winning a gold medal, it's unbelievable what they've done, you know, inspired a nation, inspired our group too. I know it's pretty special what they've done. And we look at it as like, okay, they're doing that. We got to go and do something too. You know, we got to step up our level too. So what would be better than qualifying for 2022? I mean, I, I, can't think of anything anything bigger or better so you know that's just something we're all we're all really excited for and to play in front of our fans again i mean just over the moon with that yeah and that's coming up real soon what i love about this group too is that you know mark anthony k has been a big backer of this i spoke to samuel pierre about it is that you're not shying away from it right it's like a goal that you're like oh we might get there it's not there's there's real belief when i speak to each and every one of you that this is going this is not could happen this is going to happen and that's the mindset that's that's shifted within this group and 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 i guess that speaks to as well to the the real camaraderie that you have right i was like i guess it it it, as an outsider and obviously that's all i can speak of but i've got a little bit of insight it feels real you know you get some groups that say yeah we're tight and then you know close the curtain and behind the closed doors it all falls down like a deck of cards right like it's 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 a a facade this feels real that you guys are tight like a, as john herdman would call you a band of brothers yeah and i i think that's that's spot on uh and i i think it really comes down to the fact that we have such a good group of leaders that have been through tough times i'd say when you look at that group some of those older guys who have been around and you know guys were around for when they lost to honduras went down to honduras and got battered you know guys have seen that stuff and and have struggled in gold cups and, and you know really struggled in world cup qualifying and then to have this new young generation coming through that you know, is extremely talented, but you know, that older group also sees like, wow, what they could bring to this group as well is unbelievable. So there's been a great mesh in terms of, we look up to those older guys, like, wow, like Jonathan Osorio, like Sam Piet. I mean, all these guys, um, and also Milan Borean, all these guys that have been over there, Vittoria, who've just done so much for this program, given so much, but, you know, haven't really been able to reap the rewards is that us young guys go, wow, you know, we could do this for ourselves, but you know, we got, if we get to help, you know, these guys who have just been absolutely grinding for the past decade or so in this program, you know, really achieved the goals that we've set out to from day one. And now you could say they're, they are realistic, you know, it's not, it's not that false hope that we can make that World Cup. but there really is, you know, that true belief. Um, and I think that's also, it's, it's kind of switched that I'd say maybe a year ago, it was more, yeah, it was, 
it would be amazing if we made it. And now it's more, it would be almost a disappointment if we didn't make it. And I think that's a sign of a good group. That's like, you know, we truly do feel like we belong. And I think that what we did at the gold cup with, while still missing some of those big guys, um, I mean, you look at that roster and you see like Tesho came off a plane, Tesho Akindeli came off a plane 48 hours before and started and pressed the living bejesus out of the Mexico yeah. back line and was causing tears. And now we still have guys like Joe David, Kyle Laren, Alfonso Davies are thrown into that mix on top of the other guys. It, it is a really exciting time. So I'll leave it at that, but. No, we're excited. We're confident. We're excited to play that. You should be. What's it like? And a couple more for you, and I'll let you go. And again, thanks so much for your time. What's it like? Take us in those circles. So you just mentioned some of those senior players there. You're in Haiti, and you do it. You qualify, and Milan Boyan has you in that circle, and he's talking to you as a group. Then you're at the Gold Cup, and Mexico, you know, an absolute gut punch, 99th minute winner after you guys perform so well. And then you're in that circle, and it's the other way. What's that like in two big moments of positivity and real difficult times together as a group? What's it feel like for you and your journey that you've had to be with amongst that and in that circle and play a pivotal part? Well, you know, I think, I think that first circle, the one after Haiti was uh, Milan. I mean, you could just tell, I think that's when it really clicked for us young guys, how much this means to the older group that have, you know, have never really reached this pinnacle before yet. Um, that, for us, I mean, me as a young guy, I was like, yeah, we, we should go and beat Haiti. Why, why shouldn't we beat Haiti? Like, there's no reason why we shouldn't make the Octagon. But then you really look back in the history. It's like, man, you know what? That's been a difficult thing to accomplish. You know, it, it's not an easy task. But at the same time, us young group are kind of like, almost like we took it for granted a little bit. Like, yeah, no, we should beat these guys. Like, obviously, we have to perform, but we should. There's no reason why we shouldn't beat them. And then to see the emotion that kind of poured out, like, wow, what a big achievement this was. It kind of really put things into perspective. Um, and then that gold cup circle after the Mexico game, I think it was more just kind of a, you know, we were frustrated obviously with the loss, but at the same time, it's like we were proud because we left it all out there and we, we knew we could sense it within that Mexican team that, okay, you know, it, this isn't the same Canadian team that we were used to. This isn't going to be a walk in the park when we have to go up to BMO or anything like that. You could tell that they, they sense a little bit of fear and, they thought we were going to roll over, but this is a different Canadian team that they're used to. And I think just earning that respect um, amongst Concacaf absolute was something that, you know, we really had strived for. And that was something we wanted to show within the gold cup, just that we belong. We're a top, we're a top nation. And, you know, in order to be one of those top Concacaf powerhouses, you got to perform in those tournaments. And, you know, that was something that we did. So I think that we gained a lot of respect and, there will be a lot more fear going into playing Canada than probably has been in the past. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, last one for you. What do you feel when you sing Oh Canada? Do you think of people? Is it hard to not get emotional when you know your game's coming right mm-hmm. after it? How you, How is that balance of emotions? I think that is probably the coolest feeling you can possibly have as a player. Um, and it's something that John instilled in us right away. He said, hey, we're going to go out there. We're going to be locked in as brothers. We're going to wrap our arms around each other and we're going to sing that thing because there's nothing quite like that when you show up to a a for an away game and you're belting out that anthem that other team realizes okay we're in for something here and you know a lot of those guys who are kind of um you know they got the dual citizenship and you know maybe have never stepped foot in the country and they don't even know the lyrics and then you look over at canada and we're belting out every single word you can tell how much it means it puts things in perspective for them too so i think it's one of the coolest moments Uh, i really do um yeah, it gets you fired up. If you're not ready to go after that, I don't really know what to tell you at that point. 
That's pretty special. And I imagine your parents, when they watched that, I'm sure you got a few messages afterwards and and, and calls. They must have been so proud of you, mate. You know, when you yeah, you're out. Hey, they thought I was off key a little bit, which is true because I had a I had a French speaker on one, an English speaker. Once the French start doing their own, I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to pivot between both, trying to do the chorus in French one, chorus in English the next. So it, it's always difficult. But no, yeah, I had a, quite a few videos of that sent to me. Like, wow, that's a, it's a pretty cool moment. Yeah, so I guess hey, you're not you're not trying out for the Voice or or anything. You're you're yeah, fine. No, no, you know no, what I mean? No, no, no. <laughs> you, you, I think you got a pretty good career you carved out for yourself with this. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, listen, this has been an absolute fantastic chat for me. Fascinating insight into obviously a little bit more of your life and your path. Um, congratulations on what has been an unbelievable start to your professional career. And it is just that um, much more success to come. And I cannot wait to watch you out there for Canada again in these upcoming World Cup qualifiers. Again, Alistair, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me, Christian. Appreciate it. What an interview that was. What a special young man. You know, you can see why so many of his teammates still think of him as being a lot older than he is. He's very wise, as you can tell. Already got a great head on his shoulders and clearly comes from a wonderful family. It's a real credit to them uh, that they have brought him up the way that they have and obviously their love for football in there. What a story that was when he talked about John Herman giving him the phone call and asking him if you've ever tried playing as a centre-back in a back three and Alistair kind of dodging it and kind of hoping that he can talk his way through it and then using Cesar Aspilicueta as an example of that under Thomas Tuchel and the way they played their back three in interchanging with Reese James. So many great stories, a fascinating interview. And again, getting to know these players, it's all part of this Beyond the Pitch interview series where when you see him play on Thursday and hopefully you'll be there at BMO and if not, you'll be watching live on One Soccer, you'll understand it. The other thing too is you may well be listening to this or watching this interview after the games have happened. And as usual, these interviews really stand the test of time. Um, you can see the real camaraderie that exists in the in, in this camp it's real it's genuine and Alistair there just speaks from the heart and again massive thanks to Alistair as he joined me just before he joined this camp while he was in Nashville I hope you're enjoying this series we'll continue tomorrow Wednesday as we get to sit down with another interviewee for, for the Canadian men's national team and let me tell you this the Alistair Johnson one was good this one is just as good Jonathan Azorio from Toronto FC and what a football mind this man has got he, he opens up a lot about his, his influences on and off the pitch and what it's like to play for John Herbman under this current regime. I hope you enjoy that. I hope you've enjoyed this one. Continue to enjoy the games. God bless everybody. Take care of yourself and I'll chat with you soon.